March is Women's History Month here in the US, a month dedicated to commemorating and encouraging the study, observance and celebration of the vital role of women in American history. Now, I am not American, but I'm currently here in the US, so I will be observing Women's History Month. And you and I will lose absolutely nothing by taking what is currently an American calendar event and extending it beyond the borders of the USA to celebrate women, both past and present, across the world and how their efforts change the course of history. March 8th is also International Women's Day, so we definitely have permission to celebrate women everywhere during this month. Not that we need it. I know that this month is about women's history and we often use months such as this one and Black History Month to specifically celebrate well-known figures whose work, whether inventions, advocacy or talents, has played a role in the advancement of different people groups. It's a really great practice to honour the popular change makers. But there are so many ordinary people, women in this case, whose very day-to-day existence contributed or contributes to the advancement of other women in small or big ways, but always important ways. One such person is someone who is very near and dear to my heart, someone who I'm always happy to talk about whenever I get a chance. Her name is Sarah. Sarah, or Sarah, as I know her today, is, among many things, welcoming, generous, caring, hardworking, energetic, intelligent, self-motivated, funny, loud, assertive, confident, and thoughtful. Above all, and the reason I most admire her, she is a warrior. I've known Sarah for as long as I can remember. You could say I've known her since I was born, but it's only in my 20s that I've realized just how awesome she is. I've always appreciated her, but I've never really known her and her life until now. Let's rewind and start from the beginning, her beginning. This is Sarah's story, well, most of it. On Wednesday, August 20, 1947, two years after the end of World War II, Sarah Zhangje was born to Zambure Freddy Nyuke, her father, and Rosina Nyuke, her mother. Sarah was the fifth-born child in her family, living in a village in northeastern Zimbabwe under Chief Makoni. <laughs> That's Sarah. Many of you won't understand what she just said, and that's because she's speaking in her native language, Shana, one of the official languages of Zimbabwe. Even if you don't understand, I urge you not to skip over the parts of the story when Sarah's speaking in Shana. 
sit in the discomfort of hearing the sounds of an African language that you've maybe never heard before and think critically about how you experience the language, what you think of it and why you've probably never heard it or anything similar to it before. For those of you who do understand the language, be comfortable knowing that your Africanness and your Shana culture is worthy of taking up space in predominantly English-speaking environments. When Sarah was born, the country still held onto most of its traditional social structures and practices, particularly in the rural areas, which is why Sarah's village was a chiefdom. If you didn't already know, before Zimbabwe became Zimbabwe, it was southern Rhodesia and Rhodesia after British colonization and the scramble for Africa. If you were wondering why Africans like Sarah and her parents, Freddie and Rosina, had English names, now you know why. That's her explaining that back in the day, it was very common for people to have two names, a Shana name and an English name. I imagine that English names were more palatable and or favorable during the colonial era. And that legacy has passed on to generations. Sarah's father had two wives, Sarah's mum, Rosina, and another woman named Edith Sarai, but I don't know much about her. Each wife would take care of her children, feed them and clothe them all independently, but all the kids played together. Because he had two wives, Sarah's father split his time between the two families. Now I know what you're thinking, and I'll just say this, things looked a lot different back then than they do now. And while polyamory is prevalent in a lot of rural Zimbabwean subcultures, monogamy is the norm in suburban and urban areas which says a lot about the influence of colonialism in the country, but that's a story for a later date. Now, the British colonial period in Zimbabwe lasted about a century. Yes, for a whole century, the Brits were living on and ruling stolen land, and Sarah was born right about halfway through that period. However, there was very little integration or mixing between the black natives and the white colonialists. Now, if you take a look at a map that shows you how the land was divided at the time, you would see that the British took hold of most of the land, specifically locating themselves in the insides of the country's borders, leaving the natives on the outskirts. So Sarah's village, just like all villages at the time, were exclusively black. As a young four or five-year-old girl in the village, Sarah would wake up and help out with chores around the house, such as washing dishes, and then she would travel more than a kilometer to fetch water, while her brothers went down to the kraal to tend to the livestock. You know, the typical traditional gender roles. Throughout the day, she was often confined to menial tasks because, as she says, her father was so strict that he didn't want them to play with the other next door village children. At some point, though, the government came and built a road right through the middle of the village, 
which meant that they'd often run into other children. But even so, Freddie strictly prohibited such intermingling. To the PS players and TikTok children of today, such an existence may seem humdrum, but that simply was the way of life for Sarah and her family and for other children in the villages. If I could describe Sarah as I know her today in one word, which is difficult because she is a woman of many talents and characteristics, I would have to say that she is a busybody and she was no different in her younger years. The women in Sarah's family and village were very handy. They would sit around and teach each other how to knit doilies and make clay pots. And Sarah, just a young girl, would participate in these activities. From a young age, she was enterprising. And when I say that, I mean it. When Rosina, her mum, would go to sell the clay pots, some for a traditional fermented drink called maheu, and others for beer and veggies and other staple foods, and other commodities made by the village women, Sarah would go too. Not because she wanted to partake in the vending, but because she knew that there would be white people where the women were going. And when those white people saw her, a little kid, they would give her bread or secondhand clothing. How smart. Even though Sarah kept very busy with this and with that, she had an insatiable hunger to learn. As was the case back in the day in many cultures, the boy child's education was prioritized over the girl child's. And while education may have looked very different in pre-colonial Zimbabwe, the British forced their learning system onto the country in the name of civilization providing yet another avenue through which gender inequality could manifest. Luckily, Sarah and her female siblings were able to go to school, but only because Freddie, their father, worked at a brewery and probably needed something for them to do while he was going back and forth between home and the brewery. Unfortunately, her family didn't have enough money for all the kids to go to secondary school, so of course, Sarah and her girl siblings had to stop learning while her brothers furthered their education. Sarah was only educated up until Standard 4, which was what is now Grade 7 in Zimbabwe and is equivalent to maybe 7th or 8th grade in the American school system. She was very upset, understandably, about this and she constantly protested the injustice. Although her persistent nagging didn't get her the result she wanted, it opened up another door. Thanks so much for lending me your listening ears and for coming on this journey with me of learning about and learning from Sarah's life during this Women's History Month. 
I want to encourage you to take the time to reflect on the history of your ethnicity, country, culture, whatever it may be, and think about the role that well-known and lesser-known women played in getting you to where you are today. Sarah is a three-part series about an ordinary woman who defied the odds through hard work, faith, and Coca-Cola. Next week, in the second part of the series, Sarah takes a pretty big risk in hopes of making more of her life. This podcast is written, hosted, and produced by me.